Blog Talk Radio. Fred from the bunker, we're here, we're still in the bunker, quarantine too, it's a shitty sequel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, 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 I am Brett Singer, this is Brett Singer Radio, it's Brett from the bunker, it is Friday, January 22nd, 2021, it's a palindrome day, 12221. very, very exciting, and it is 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and I am joined today once again by Ken Perlstein. Ken, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good, ready to go, what a yes. week. Yes, it was an exciting week. What happened this week? Let me the, tell me tell me in your words what happened this week. Tell me in my well, <laughs> we got our we got our fucking country back, man. That's what. That's happened. one way to put it. Oh. That's definitely one way. To, it's actually been very surreal. I look at the newspaper and it says the president, yes. and I'm still scarred. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, the, oh, President Trump. It's like, no, no, not President Trump. President Biden. President Biden. Okay. You know, it's. I think we all have PTSD from the past four years. Um, I re- seriously, I mean, I, it's because now you have an actual president who yesterday gave a press conference and said, you know what, it's going to actually get worse. And here's the truth. <laughs> here's the ugly truth. You know, uh, and then actually talk to people when a press secretary that doesn't lie every two seconds uh, Siri, you know, it doesn't look like she could be taking orders at a 24-hour White Castle. Oh, taking shots, taking <laughs> shots. No, she's very, she's very professional. She's really good. She's oh, done this great. job before, just not in this form. And um, and that is nice. It's definitely nice to have a White House briefing. Well, to have a White House briefing, period. But to have a White House briefing that isn't a joke. I mean, here's a question: What, do you, what are all the QAnon people going to do now? Oh, the QAnon stuff has been fascinating. I saw one where they said that the faces had been swapped, that Trump oh, was yeah, actually it, in yeah. Biden's body. Did you see that one? Yeah, it, it's 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 uh, if it weren't so sad, it would be hysterical. Uh, funny wise, I've actually I've had to deal with a friend who's gone off the rails. He's gone off the rails, totally gone off the rails with this. And uh, there's. There's no talking to him right now. You can't. So it's got to run its course, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I don't even know how I would react. I mean, so someone who went full QAnon, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, even like right before, you know, day before the election, I'm like, dude, uh, you know, you threw away, you threw away an acting career. You threw away, threw away your life. Uh, you're, Fiance, your ex fiance now for three years tried to help you. Uh, because of this ridiculous, you know, untrue thing. And he kept saying, You know what? Wait, wait till you see what's gonna happen. I'm gonna be there for you, man. It's not your fault, but you know, the, these people are gonna pay for their crimes. I'm like, what are the crimes? He's like, you know, child pornography, child pedophilia, oh and I said, dude, the call was coming from inside the house. <laughs> okay, the call's coming from inside the house. So it's like, I'll be there for you, man. You're going to watch what happens. Uh, you know, and of course, I I messaged him right after the inauguration. I'm like, uh, so so what happened to the uh, 12 p.m. 
uh, emergency action message and, you know, uh, the killing, executing of Hillary Clinton and other Democrats. It's like, you just wait. So I'm waiting. Yeah, I I think we're going to keep waiting. I mean, it's it's all it's very scary that that someone. I mean, I assume this was someone who you knew as a normal person, right? Yes. Yeah. I knew. So, I mean, that's that's the really frightening thing. You know, it's. Uh, I I think there were. I think maybe there were signs. You know, because uh, I, I worked with him closely. He was on a project uh, that I worked on, and I maybe there were signs. I just didn't. Pay enough. I didn't pay attention to his Facebook page because he was doing videos about actor tips. And then I went back there and because he kept sending people a private messages on Facebook with a self-taped QAnon message. So which I never opened, went to his Facebook page and it was a it was a dumpster fire. I, I mean, yeah, no, it's it's amazing what people get up to. I I, I can honestly say I don't know someone who is into who is into that, um, uh, but it's I can imagine it's very scary to watch someone fall down that rabbit hole. I mean, I think from what I heard, uh, from what I've seen, some of the interviews, the, a lot of the QAnon people are upset. They're angry at Donald Trump. They they feel disenfranchised. They feel conned, and I'm like, well, you have been conned. <laughs> You've been conned for the past four years. Uh, now they don't know what to do. And I think my favorite, uh, my fear, Brett, my fear is that now the white supremacy groups are going to kind of swoop in, like the guy, you know, uh, talking to a girl after a bad breakup, and grab right. Um That is a scary thought. That is a very scary thought. Probably not inaccurate because that they're certainly available and they're very vulnerable. Yeah. Yep. There, there's a lot of truth. There's anyway. a lot of truth there. Otherwise, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful inauguration. <laughs> it was a lovely inauguration. The inauguration itself it was, was quite was quite lovely. It was quite lovely. Now, let, now, now, here's the thing. You're an impressionist, and you're a terrific impressionist. Sure. Can I talk to Mitch McConnell for a second? Uh, uh, first, first of all, uh, Britt, uh, I've been here 35 years, and uh, I, I'll tell you, Britt, we've never had an insurrection. We had disagreements. I'm the Grim Reaper. <laughs> but I had nothing to do with it. I washed my hands of this. <laughs> and I said, Trump, I say, uh, Trump, go fuck yourself. Whew. I want that as my outgoing voicemail. <laughs> Trump, uh, you've reached the, uh, mis- you've reached the uh, phone of uh, Brent Singer. Uh, leave a message. We'll vote on it in the Senate, which now Chuck Schumer had. And uh, we'll see what happens. Are you going to vote to impeach uh, while well, he is no longer President Trump, but Mr. Trump? Uh, I, I think uh, we need to change our party, and uh, I think uh, President Trump was uh, responsible for uh, encouraging the violence that happened at the Capitol, which was by far criminal, Brett. Criminal. Criminal. Amazing. Amazing. So, how do you work on an impression? Let me ask you, as as a from because my impressions are all very seat of my pants, and they're no, nobody's going to be fooled. You know, it's it's basically just it's what I call a suggested impression. You know, like everybody's got a Seinfeld things things of that nature. Like you know, you'll know what I'm doing, but it's not it's not like you close your eyes and you and you're you know you think the person's there. So like, do you do you sit down and you work on the voice? I do. I watch them. Uh, and I, I take it from the – I work on it as sort of a general impression at first, 
but I watch their mannerisms, attention to their inflection, and then I kind of start to work at it on it like as a serious actor. Uh, so my goal is to make it way beyond, you know, an SNL impersonation. Right. It's the same thing with uh, uh, with uh, God, I did so many of them. I did uh, Mike? I used to do Mike Tyson. I used to do uh, George W. Bush, which I still do. Bernie Sanders, Clinton. So I just kind of I start to work on it. You know, I get a base first. Does that make sense? Yeah. Get a general base, and then I go in a little bit deeper. So it's a lot of watching them. It's a lot of watching them. It's a lot of listening. Uh, you know, right now I'm working on Joe Biden. I was going to say, do you have a Biden? Because, of course, that's the one you need. I am working on it. I am working on it. Give you a little bit if you want, but I'm still working on it. He, uh, it's up hard to, uh, entirely, entirely up to you. He seems tricky because he doesn't he – does, I don't know if he – does he have a hook? Like, is there something about him? Like with Trump, you've got like a huge and, you know, stuff like stuff of that nature. There seem to be, you know, things you can hang your hat on. I don't know what there is. I guess I guess Joe Biden, it's malarkey, something like that. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Not going to happen overnight. Americans, 400,000 Americans lost their lives. People at the table, relative, friend. So you got to. I, my thing is that I, I have to make sure it doesn't delve into George Bush a little bit. I was going to say there, there. I feel I, I never thought about it, but I feel like there's like give me give me a little George Bush. Uh, well, so here's uh, here's Bush that who was standing beside Bill Clinton and Obama on uh, inauguration night, and they had like a message for Biden. First of all, the transfer of power is uh, very important, and it's mm-hmm. important for people to. Uh, uh, to get together, get to love one another, right now. Isn't that a song or something? <laughs> I thought that was a song. Uh, what do you think, Bill? Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, I agree, man. It's a little lovey-dovey for you. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, it is important. It's important to get along. It's important to reach across the aisle. Uh, sometimes give a reach around. Around the aisle, that's what I meant. <laughs> what do you think, Brett? <laughs> that was great. Okay. Oh, very important to get a reach around, uh, Mr. President. It's very, very important. Very, very you, important. I sat there, you know something, Brett? I sat there with uh, George Bush after we we, uh, we had just watched Trump's inaugural speech like four years ago. And I brought this uh, bottle of, of uh, edibles, like the real shit, man. Not the fake shit, but the real shit. THC, <laughs> there's something else in there. I don't know what it was. And so we listened to Trump's speech. Uh, backwards and played the Wizard of Oz in the background. <laughs> that's some deep <laughs> shit. I remember that. That's some deep shit, Bill. I never tripped. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bernie Sanders came over here. Here, here, Bernie. First of all, look, all the edibles should not be just for the one percent. <laughs> Everybody should have the white to get high together. Not just the rich, not the billionaires. The establishment. These are good gummies, though. <laughs> Bernie, how do you feel? How do you feel about being a meme? Look, look. People could joke. I was actually very cold. I was waiting for soup, which never came. The salmon never came. And I was cold, and they put me in every picture in the world. They put me with Stalin, which I felt comfortable. 
I haven't seen that one. I would like to see that. <laughs> There's so many of them. It's, uh, it's I just got. That's fantastic. You know, I love it. It's like a superpower. That's so cool. Super- you can just drop into that. I mean, you know, that's uh, that's awesome. Oh, I forgot Rudy Giuliani. You like Rudy Giuliani? Oh, please, our Mr. Giuliani. Are you going to continue to sue the states now that the now that the inauguration has happened? Well, first, first of all, Fred, this, this was a total fraud. Uh, there were irregularities in the in the election. We're going to continue. We're going to continue to investigate uh, Joe Biden's an illegitimate president. And Trump, Trump did. You know, the guy won. The guy just won. There was there was a balance. There was a truck full of food. And someone to be food to truck. So people came running for food. And there was balance. <laughs> food trucks. It's all about the food trucks. Food trucks. And then Mike Tyson came along. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. What does Mike Tyson have to do with this? He, he is he involved in the conspiracy? Uh, first of all, um, you know, Brown. I don't know about any conspiracy, but um, you know, I don't. I don't know about about, but there wasn't any food in the truck, so I just went and beat the shit out of somebody. <laughs> That's rough, oh, Mike. That's rough. That's this is like this is this is like uh, this is fantastic. This is like uh, this. It's like it's like wheel of impressions. This is this is terrific. It's fun. Sometimes it's fun to do. Uh, I used to uh, impersonate teachers, uh, coworkers. Uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not good. <laughs> that's it goes too far. Well, I was going to say that that's a little different. If you're impersonating someone that someone that you know, you know, impersonating the boss, I imagine that could get you into trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's gotten me applause and it's gotten me into trouble. It's uh, <laughs> but it's goddamn it, it's fun and it's uh, you know, growing up, it, this was kind of a way for me to to deal with stuff, you know, growing up. So, yeah, there you have it. What do you mean? Grow, it was yeah. a way for you. What? What is that? What do you mean? Growing up, it was a way for you to deal with stuff. It was just the best way to cope, you know, with anything that was going on. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I moved around a lot. I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, yeah, we we moved back and forth from Detroit back to Ann Arbor, then to Milwaukee, then to California, then to Maryland. So uh, at that point, it, during the, I was uh, I'm ADD with dyslexia. Okay. But back mm-hmm. then, you know, back then they didn't know how to diagnose it. So I was actually diagnosed as autistic and half downs. Oh wow! Um, you yeah. were diagnosed as half, half downs. Half down. I don't know what that meant, but that was. I was going to say I've never heard of that before. Half down called half and half. Okay. Nowadays they just call it on the spectrum. <laughs> on the spectrum. On the spectrum. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, everybody's spectrum today. I'm probably on a spectrum myself. But, no, uh, I mean, that's the way it was. So I went through 16 and a half, 17 years of special ed as a kid. Uh, they broke us out to play sports, which was great because they need, you know, uh, people that when they pull them off their riddle and want to, you know, kill people. Hmm. It's fun. You know, it's fun. They're just, uh, you know, don't don't chew on a propane tank. Kyle, okay? Get off the propane tank. Don't chew it. Put it down. Get, get back to the field. Good nice. boy. Good boy. So, yeah. I mean, that's uh, so that's the way it was. And so that's how I coped because uh, I never went to the same school as any of my friends. Um, never. 
always went to a school with like a, some kind of a resource room or they call them the rubber rooms or whatever it is. So, wow. Yeah. That's the way it was. Uh, they never considered you intelligent or smart. Uh, I got, I used to get tested like once a month or once every three months when I was a kid, when we lived in Maryland. I go to Georgetown University with my mom and we'd spend a day doing the war shot test, the other kinds of shit that they're asking you or asking you what these pictures look like and stuff like that and uh, reading. And yeah, my IQ was like, you know, like above 145, you know, and they're like, well, obviously you're not, you know, <laughs> counting cards. Uh, so, yeah, there you have it. Wow. So, yeah. so one of the, so comedy and impressions were one of the ways that you that you dealt with that. Comedy impressions, yeah, just pretending, uh, and then sports, you know, and then you know, and uh, so yeah, my brother and I, we were what we call Jew jocks, you know, those are Jews who play sports but don't own the teams. Right. What uh, What did you play? We uh, we we swam, we wrestled, we played football. What position do you play um, in football? Well, in high school, I played different positions. I played, uh, I kicked, uh, and then I, you know, you played like defensive back or, you know, linebacker because we didn't have a big team. You know, when I went to high school, I, we didn't have a really big team. But I did kick, and when I got to, um, I actually kicked really well. So when I got to college, I got to Marshall University, uh, got into their dyslexic program, which is world renowned. It's a great program. Uh, became a theater major, um, but I walked on to play football. It was a Division One oh, cool. football program. Neat. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just that was a walk on, and it was great. Um, I mean, well, what does that mean to be a walk on? It means that they're not. They didn't offer you a scholarship. You just literally you walk on. You need to try out. Oh, okay. You may or may not get a scholarship. So I I didn't stay there long enough because uh, I was going back and forth between that and theater. And uh, it was fun. It was it was uh, it was a great time. Plus, you know, Division One. I, I mean, these guys are like you know three hundred pounds. You know, and uh, I was what five and a half, six, five six and a half, five seven, one hundred and sixty at the time. Yeah, I was gonna say you're not a really big guy. I'm not a really big guy. I'm well, you know, I'm what they call stocky. I have the you know 1930s Jewish boxer build. Right. But, uh, but compared to Division One football player, no. Uh, my playbook was one play. It was called White Boy Kick. So. <laughs> that's a good one. I've seen that one before. That's a good play. Yeah, it's a good a play. Solid, yeah, that, that's boy. a solid play. Yeah, I'm always very jealous of people who played football because I didn't come to football. I didn't even come to watch football until, I mean, it was about this point. It's like 15 years ago, but much oh, later wow. in my life. And okay. I love it. And I, I, dare, I dearly wish... I had played, and I didn't have any athletic ability, but I feel like maybe at a very, very low level, I might have been able to block because I'm big. So, you know, like not at any at any seriously competitive level by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe, <laughs> maybe at like a JV level, I might have been I might have been able to, you know, to sort of stand there and, and block people. Sure, even high school. I mean, and, and that depends. I mean, you never know. It was just just for the experience. Uh, I'm sure it would have been a good time. Yeah, uh, I mean, like I played. I mean, I played baseball when I was when I was when I was like you know ten, and I really enjoyed okay. it. Like I okay. I didn't sti- I didn't stick with it because I wasn't very good and there were other things going on. But I what t- what time I had playing, I really liked. Oh wow. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure for the experience, it's, um, you know, I'm sure you would have picked up some skills and, and, and blocking and all that stuff. And well, I would have learned more about the game, which, which is really, you know, a big part of it. Like, I even now, I sometimes I'm watching football, and I feel like I don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, I know, but I, don't, I feel like I don't know enough about the plays. And I realize you can learn that. You can learn that stuff. It's not, you know, it's not impossible. But, um, you know, I just think it would have been cool to play. It would have been funny. <laughs> I'm sure, man. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we were kids. And in the 70s, I mean, with swimming, I mean, we moved to California in like the mid-70s. And, uh, you know, the father just literally threw us in the pool, said, now you're on a swim team. Huh. Parents could get away with a lot of shit back then. Oh, sure. Can't get away with anything now. Now, you've got kids, right? I have one kid that I know of. One kid that you know of. Fair enough. So I mean, so I mean, you know, you can't get away, you can't get away with that kind of nonsense. You can't throw him oh, in the pool. God. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he, he's an he's an amazing kid. He's smart. He's funny, but man, does he talk back? This kid trash talks. I mean, yeah, I'm not a fan of that, but I, but I, I mean, you get used to it. I mean, but my kids are a little older now, but even so, it's like, what did you just say to your mother? You know, like really, like you can't you can't talk oh, like that. Oh my God! What is, I mean, this kid talks back to me. He's like, "You know, you should have did." I'm like, "What? What? How what? old is he?" He's going to be eight in March. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a rough age. That, that's definitely a talk back kind of age. Right? And to watch TV goes. I don't want to watch the news, Dad. I'm tired of hearing about the news. No politics. Let's watch something else. Like, oh, you know, just. Yeah, I, you have. There's not even. I can't even do any timeouts anymore. Really, it's just. Uh, it's just a contest, and you just look at the kid and go, you know what, dude? Uh, you're lucky you didn't grow up in my home. <laughs> right. I wouldn't even gotten to the point of putting my finger up. No, I. That is very true. That is very very true. So, so um, you've got a kid in your pilot. I assume that was somewhat inspired by your inspired by your life. How much of the pilot is inspired by your life? Um, uh, some of it, you know, maybe probably less than, probably around half, you know, in, in a way. Uh, but granted, the situation in the pilot, is, it's, it's also very different from my life. So I don't have a daughter in the pilot. I have a daughter. Um, I, I've been divorced before a long time ago, but there were no kids in it. Okay. So it's uh, it's actually and it's also based on it's some of it's based on different people I know as well different people I know uh, a lot of it as you saw uh, there's recovery in it so I've been sober in June I'll have 24 years oh wow congratulations so thank you thank you well it's a day at a time that's what we always say so yeah I mean there's a lot of aspects in that there's a lot of aspects with trying to get back an acting career, dealing with the, dealing with the, the consequences of he, he's dealing with the consequences of his actions and drinking before, which ended his marriage. Right. So you saw the pilot. What you, uh, uh, what were your thoughts? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was quite good. I mean, I, my, the thing that I walked away with was I'm really curious, um, you know what this has to do. How much this relates to your life? I figured it had to because it it cuts very it, sure. it's very personal and it cuts very deep. Um, but I didn't want to make an assumption. No, that's okay. No, and especially the meeting. If you 
there's a scene with the with, with the AA meeting. Right. Um, that is the heart. That is the heart of, you know, recovery. That's the heart of what we deal with. Now, what are those like? I mean, yeah. I, I know there's a, there's the scene in the in the thing, and obviously we've seen scenes in plenty of other, you know, situations. But are those really hard to to be in because people have really I mean terrible things that happen to them? Um, you know what? I I actually. You know, when I first came in for myself, of course it was, you know, because I, first of all, I, I never wanted to put up my hand and say, you know, I'm powerless over this or I can't take it. I couldn't even, I couldn't fathom the concept of never taking a drink again when I first came into the room. I couldn't. Like, this is ridiculous. All these people who would speak say, well, I'm Bob. I have, you know, 10 years and I have this and I have that. Like, this has got to be some bullshit. No. You know, I felt like a person going, this is rigged, total rigged. Uh, it's not true. Uh, but that's what I thought. I'm like, this has got to be, come on, this has got to be Eclipse Notes. And every time I asked somebody who had been in there, well, I would say, you know what, here's my number. Call me every five minutes. It's five minutes at a time, okay? Call me every five minutes if you want. But it, it takes a day at a time. Uh, but I never picked up a drink again. Some people, a lot of people, <laughs> tons of people don't make it. They keep picking up. Some of them at least keep coming back. But some of them never come back. It, it, it depends. I mean, I've seen people pick up after over 20 years. Wow. And uh, if they're lucky, they're back and they go, you know what, I have one day back after 20 years. Uh, sometimes they don't. They don't come back. And they're dead. Hmm. And that's the reality of this. That's the reality of recovery. That's the reality of it. You know, so, and I love listening to people. You know, I love listening to people talk, people share, especially people first coming in. People first coming in. We always say in the rooms that the people that are the newcomers, they're the most important people in a room. The most important. Because it's, 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 it's a day to time and it always reminds us. It always brings it right back to the basics. Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. I know you're not in recovery, but so, but yeah. I mean, I I love it. I love the meeting. I love. That's it. great. Do, uh, do you still go? Of course. Yeah. At least you know three four days a week. Oh wow. I have a sponsor and all that good stuff. But uh, everything that was said in that meeting in the pilot, everything that my character said, especially. That's the heart of it, man. It is the self-sabotage. And it's sort of that, it's sort of masochistic, uh, masoch- however you say it. Uh, but it's like, yeah, that gratification that you screwed yourself. Because, yep, see, I told you so. If you go back and, you know, if you, if you watch it again and you go back and, and you go back to that scene, you know, uh, that's the heart of it. That's that's what it's about, and that's basically what that character Eli's life is about. Right. I mean, he just can't seem to get out of his own way. I mean, it's just you know. Right. It's hard. Right, especially at the end. You know, we leave you with a little cliffhanger. Well, you want more. I assume you would like this to be more than a pilot. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, I already have. Uh, another episode written. Um, I already, we have what we call a whole storyboard. I have a, 
we call it pitch deck. So it's a it's what we call it in, in, in show business, it's called the show Bible. So it's a whole description of the pilot, description of each character, and a description of the arc of where you want the series to go, as well as a description of you know eight or ten episodes in the first uh, season. Right. So that's and it's always subject to change, but yes, uh, of course. So we're we're in the festival circuit. We just got into the Garden State Film Festival. Oh, nice! That's a good one. It's a big one, yes. So we just found out we were selected. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, we're up for uh, Audience Choice Awards for the Women in TV Film Festival. So you yeah, say the, we got women, a lot the women, the women in TV Film Festival. Yeah, Women in TV Film Festival. It's a, it's a festival. Now, so we're up, how, do, how do you fit in there? Because my director, both my, my team are two women. My director, oh, okay. uh, David Jaynes, and my head producer, uh, Jennifer Plotsky. Okay. They are two women who get shit done. So that's my team. Wherever I that's go, great. they go. Yes. Where, where'd you find them? Uh, in an acting community. So it was part of an acting community, and so I met uh, – Jen and Colleen through there, and uh, so when I had this, so when I first did the reading for this pilot, they weren't involved with it yet. Uh, I had other direct, I had another director that I uh, went to uh, beforehand. My first reading, my first episode was seventy-two pages, which I that didn't know anything long. about. Yeah, well, say, that sounds that anything. sounds a little long. Right. Well, I didn't know anything about making a pilot. You know, I was also new to writing. Uh, I had written like one short film in a 48-hour film challenge before, and that was it. So this was something new. And uh, a couple of good friends who are writers kept encouraging me uh, to keep writing. Uh, so I did. And finally, uh, a friend of mine helped me organize a reading. I had 18 actors, and I had, we, had, we invited like 25, 30 other people to watch. Uh, so we all in our apartment, like over 50 people in our apartment, you know, scrunched in. And it was, it was a great experience. And uh, nobody wanted to leave afterwards. They all wanted to keep talking about it and asking questions. So, I, you know, again, I didn't know anything about the, the writing or the production aspect of it. I'm just an actor. You know, I'm an actor mainly and, and a comic, you know. Uh, you, you've seen in Goodfellas. You've seen Goodfellas, right? Sure. You know, uh, Henry and uh, and uh, Paulie, they're sitting at the restaurant with that dude, and dude's like, yeah, I need help, man, I need help. You know, Tommy's beating the shit out of me. And he's like, can you can you help me run it? Paulie's like, I don't know anything about uh, running a restaurant. I just know how to sit down and order the meal. You know, I know how to sit down and order the meal. Uh, yeah, for me, I was like, I just know how to, you know, get up there and, uh, you know, work on my character, and then that's it. Now I had to learn something else. I had to learn production and I, I learned the hard way. I went through ups and downs with it. And finally, you know, I can't I had nobody left really. I was keeping it alive on social media, the script. I dwindled it down to fifty two pages for maybe a one hour pilot. Uh, I didn't want to make a sizzle reel. I wanted to make the whole thing. And uh called my friend Jen. I said, Look, uh I need you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need you. And she's fantastic. She's 
she's an amazing actress. She's an amazing friend. She's an amazing producer. She's got her hands in so many things right now. So she came aboard, and together we, you know, we went through it, and we started looking at uh, different people uh, for directing. One of my actresses, the girl who plays Mac's wife, Amanda, Amanda Brooke Lerner, uh, another good friend of mine, said, have you considered Colleen? Have you considered this person? She's really, you know, she's really dying to talk to you about directing it. So I got in touch with Colleen, sent her the script. She called me. She said, I, wanna, I really want to do this. Uh, and I, can, I, can, I think we can figure out how to actually do the whole thing and maybe make it into a half hour instead and make it affordable. So that's what we did. Uh, affordable is the magic word. Yes, and because they're not cheap, and I paid all of my actors. Uh, that was so funny. I was literally just thinking that. I, you know what? I've done. I mean, even as comics, how much unpaid work have we done? Right? Oh, it's it's crazy. No one. It's impossible to explain to people. It's like, why do you do it for free? I was like, I don't know, because it's there. Because it's not like it's not right. like I'm turning down paid work, you know. I mean, I just you got to do it. And with acting, it's uh, I've done a lot of unpaid or what we call deferred. Even though I'm part of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, I've done what are called deferred because the project was good and and, and I was going to get really good footage from that to add to my reel. Right. But this time around, I'm like, this is my pilot, and this is special to me. And I, I pretty much, I, I cast, I handpicked 99% of the actors in it, myself, from people I knew, uh, people I knew who could do the job, people I, I also wanted it to sort of be a platform for them as well uh, to move forward on. And it was important that I pay them. You know, I had people tell me to, you know, look, you could save a lot of money by just deferring it. I said, yes, I could, but that's a cheap-ass way. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, ethically to me, that's just not right. Uh, I want them to be their professional actors. This is going to be a union project. And even if it's a, what we call sag low budget, they deserve to get paid. They deserve to be treated as professional actors. Right. Yep, so that's, that's what I do. You know, and it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. I think they would have brought their A game regardless. But to me, you know, when you're getting paid, you're on that clock, you know. You bring your shit, man. It's always it's always better to be getting paid. It just is. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a better feeling, and I felt better about it. I felt good about it. Yeah, it was expensive because I had to go to a uh, private company because you got to deal with SAG. So I went to a company that helps you divide up all the taxes and and SAG pension and all that stuff, and then they work with SAG themselves, and then they send. Uh, you know, SAG sends each chapter a check. So, but it was worth it. I wasn't going to shoot the pilot without being able to do it. No, you got a great product. I mean, it's a, it's it's extremely impressive. So, you know, I I hope the festival stuff works out because it's it's a, it's really really good. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we're we're uh, we're trying to get as much heat on it as we can. I mean, we've we've been in some really good festivals, uh, and especially during the pandemic. You know, it's it's bittersweet. It's been bittersweet because yes, it's great to be part of. Uh, you know, we 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 uh, we were nominated for best long form pilot in the Soho Film Festival in New York City, That's which right. is a really good festival. But it was bittersweet because it was all virtual. Right. 
I was in three other projects in that festival. And it was just, you don't get that experience of actually being there, you know, not you know, walking the red carpet, supporting people, mingling, you know, meeting other people, and just uh, experiencing the whole thing together. I mean, it's, uh, and then we were in Holly Shorts, which is another huge festival out of L.A. It's one of the biggest uh, festivals there is. And how does that work? They post, the films on, they post the films online? Yes, yes. There's usually an app, you know, that you can download on a smart TV as well. You go into your computer, you log in, uh, and you can watch the projects. And other people, and you can give other people the code to watch your projects. And they can, you know, um, vote on them. Or the people, uh, some of these festivals, it's the, it's the, they have a group of people that vote on best uh, project. Right. So, but, you know, I mean, it's, I still got to meet other people online, but it's just, it's not the same thing. What I will tell you, though, um, to be accepted in these festivals is an honor itself. And especially the Holly Shorts Festival, um, watching some of these projects that were just, they were just so damn good that I thought, you know what, I don't care if we're nominated or not, just you know, in the being in the company of some of these projects is is good, and it's it's an honor in itself. Sure, absolutely. I mean, I I'm sure the actors in your in your piece feel that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody was you know really grateful to be a part of it, and I was just and I loved watching the other projects. I like watching what other people created, what they did, you know, learning. Uh, you know, just and and, and knowing the hard work that goes into it. I like that you – it looked like you even used extras. Uh, yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. No, no, which is, you know, like that's definitely – you're making the effort. Of course. Uh, the the uh, the very first scene in the pilot, uh, the the classroom scene, yeah. And uh, these were – But walking down know, the street, were... like like walking down the street, like you could technically do yeah. that without anybody there. Um, but obviously right. it looks better when you've got people walking down the street, so – those were we didn't have extras on a street. Oh, you didn't. Those, no, those were real people. Oh, wow. so how does that work? Are you allowed to do that? Yeah, if it's a handheld camera. Yes. I mean, oh, interesting. I mean, this, okay, all right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big camera. I, I've worked as an extra, so I'm I'm just very conscious of that kind of stuff. You try not to get them in a way. You know, you can't. You'll see people in the background, or somebody who just walks by. You barely see them. So it's not like they're featured. You can't help it. Uh, but you know, we had a big camera. We had a uh, we had one of the best cinematographers, uh, and he had a Sony, what we call a Sony Eight camera. Learning about these. Is that, is that the red? Cameras. Is that the red camera? Sony Red. Yeah. The Sony okay. Red. Those are really good. Yeah. I did a I did a short film with one of those, and it's it, this, this footage is just stunning. Right. Right, it's like they are. That is a real deal. It's not a little, you know, handheld camera. I mean, this is no. This thing. Um, he had to wear an entire harness. He had an assistant uh, that helped him carry the camera. That helped support him. So we can, you know, when you're not, you know, when you're not in on a street, you know, it's you. You would have to get a permit to be on the street and use what they call tracks or like wheels on the camera. Right. You have to get a seat and get a permit for that. So we said, you know what? And 
the kind of shots we wanted to get are really pace. So we said, you know what, the, uh, he just thought the, the handheld, you know, or the harness would be a lot better. And it, and it worked. When we were in my apartment, however, which, were, which stood for like four locations, uh, we used some of it, we used tracks. Like they look like little mini railroad tracks, but you put the camera on it, you put a thing on them, and you can move it, and it gets a smooth shot around in a circle if you need to. Take me through the decision to plunk down the money for this, because you said the last time it's not cheap. And, you know, like, sort of walk me through that a little bit. Like, you're thinking about it, you're thinking about it. I'm sure there's cheaper ways to do it, but you say, screw it, I'm doing it the real way. Well, I mean, it was a, again, it was a process because, uh, I again, I didn't know much about production. And I, in hindsight, you know, I, I kind of rushed into it. Right after that reading, I got so excited and, you know, being the alcoholic I am, of course I'm impulsive. You know, <laughs> we want things right now. Um, so, of course, I'm like, God, i got to shoot this right now. Everybody says shoot it right now. This has to be done. Hindsight, I should have paused. You know, I should have taken a month to digest it, to call, uh, to ask about, to just educate myself about price, about production, uh, little, all the little things like uh, your crew, uh, you know, uh, craft services, uh, locations, everything. A director that you know, how much are you going to pay a you know, director? What experience they have? You know, my first director, she was great. She was fantastic. It, it ended up not working out. We were uh, with time wise, money raising wise, uh, we were going to shoot a what we call a sizzle reel, like a trailer. Right. It was something I really didn't want to do, but I thought, you know, but looking at the, the I, I should have been more aware because even the price for that was outrageous. And I think by the time we got, we, we figured out what we wanted to do it. And the script was a little bit, the story was the same, but the script was a little bit different. It wasn't as trimmed. It wasn't as uh, smooth. And uh, by the time we started trying to raise money for it, it was just, it was too late for the deadline for her schedule with shooting. And it was way too pricey. So I was left uh, on my own. So I'm kind of fast forwarding through this because uh, she was a great person. Uh, and I learned a lot. We really went through the script. Uh, I added more things to it. I was adding more, I added more to the characters uh, to made the story even deeper but we just couldn't, you know, sometimes things don't work out. Uh, I had somebody else look at it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a producer in L.A. set me up with a director friend. Who He wasn't going to direct it, but, you know, he, uh, he, he went over everything with me. He went over the script. And uh, it was still 72 pages at the time. And this guy oh, wow. just... Right. Well, he looked at it and he said, here's the deal, man. Uh, I, I love it all. I love the story. I like the script. The problem is you've got five scenes that don't move the story along. And it, when, when it comes to shooting, when it comes to a pilot, it's what moves it along. If, is the um, scene going to actually move it along? I hate to do this not. because this is, I feel like we're just getting interesting. Maybe you can come back and we can talk mm-hmm. about this more. But we're about to get cut off. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. Probably no, that's okay. Here. You're not rambling. Um, sure, sure, sure. Uh, they can find me on um, KenPerlstein.com. 
uh, on Instagram, How Am I Doing TV? One word, How Am I Doing TV? Um, Facebook, of course, Ken Perlstein. Uh, Instagram, you know, uh, Ken Perlstein. So it's not hard. Okay. Very uh, good. Also, IMDb. 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 You got a lot of good credits. You got a lot thank of good you, credits, sir. sir. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for coming back after a little technical hiccup. Um, everyone, will be, pleasure. everyone will be back next week. Please, above all, stay safe and uh, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, Brett. Thank you.